Hi, I'm Shay Cook, CEO and founder of Crusaders for Change, helping people get out of debt, save, and much more. And you're listening to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. Wendy Sheridan, and you are listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation. And hi, I am Robin Renee. How are you today, Wendy? Um, I am very, uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm having some first world, some really first world problems, uh, which we can use as a topic for a future episode. Uh, the <laughs> under, the, uh, the LED lights under the kitchen cabinets that light my counter space are it, they're not working today. They they would not come on, and and I'm looking at this dismal dark kitchen, and and I don't know how I managed to use a kitchen without under cabinet lights for over 50 years because I've only oh had this I've only had this since 2017, and it's like I hate being in this room now. It looks like shit. So that's <laughs> just like totally first world problems, but <laughs> it's amazing how fast you get used to something, right? <laughs> I think I could make a list of those for myself too. Those are pretty funny. I, I think you'll survive, but I, I understand that you know, yeah, it's something you wanna you wanna get fixed. So, <laughs> so how possible. are you? How are you doing? Today? How am I? Uh, I just had a uh, country living moment. I, there was an entire family of deer in my yard as we were wow. getting, you know, just a few minutes before we were getting ready to, for the show. And I was like about to cry. It was just, I just happened to see them from my kitchen window, you know, and I was just like, oh, they're so beautiful. <laughs> and I didn't want to, I didn't get any pictures because I, I didn't want to scare them, you know. Mm -hmm. But they were like five or six or, I mean, it was a lot. Yeah, a whole deer. herd. <laughs> a whole herd, yeah, basically. It was really cool because I was over at my neighbor's uh, last night, actually. And I saw like these prints that, did, that they were like bigger. They weren't cat prints because I see cat footprints in the snow around me all the time. And I was like, well, who, what creature is this? This might be deer because it's not, it's not a big foot. It's not a person. It's not a cat. It's, <laughs> it's something bigger. And I think that must be what it was. And that, and you know, so this was, that's it was really just really cool. cool. Yeah, yeah, it was really neat. Well, okay, that's good. I guess that's I guess that's our check-in. Eh? Yeah. Well, we do have some some news. Uh, due to some scheduling conflicts, Mary McGinley will no longer be a regular co-host on our show, but we will have her stop in and say hi from time to time. So, I look forward to talking to you again, Mary. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, it is a time of change, you know, it's a new year and we've got the new administration in Washington finally. Yay. So, yes, exactly. <laughs> so we're, you know, we're making some changes to the show and we're thinking about, um, well, there are lots of changes in the world. We're th thinking of making changes to the show also since our original focus was really, uh, oh my God, what is happening in the world? Kind and of. How are we getting through the next this administration? This is this was that was our original thing. 
And exactly. Yeah. And I'm really glad that we've opened up into, you know, our cultural discussions and, and, and a lot of great interviews and things like that. And so we're just really curious, like what you listeners like, uh, what you think we can improve. Um, we'd love to hear from you about that just because, um, you know, we, we have some ideas and we want to hear yours also. Yeah. We would love to hear anything you want to say to us at this point. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, you can reach us. Well, we'll tell you all our socials later. It's pretty much at Leftscape everywhere, uh, as we will let you know in a few. But uh, I think we have three random facts. Yeah. Yes? All right. Yes. Well, it was once believed that tuxedo cats can become invisible on the vernal equinox. <laughs> Okay. I I had not heard that one. <laughs> I hadn't either. And I was having trouble finding who exactly believed this and when, but a lot of websites actually say this. So okay. it's an interesting. You sure it wasn't myth. a Q, a QAnon thing? <laughs> because that kind of, it, it's kind of feeling that kind of QAnon like to me. Well, it, I think it doesn't, it doesn't, does it say anything about Democrat cats that are invisible <laughs> that are actually children that have been turned into cats because they're, I don't know. <laughs> no, they're by cats. They're by cats. <laughs> they're <totally> invisible. <laughs> okay. Yes. No, I do not believe this is a QAnon theory. <laughs> I would not espouse that, but I also think that I will probably be able to see my cat on the vernal equinox. So I'm not too much believing in this. <laughs> and in fact, number two is that we have presented a whole lot of cat facts on this show. <laughs> well, yeah, well, we're cat people. I know Mary and I were definitely cat people. And we've kind of, even with you being allergic to cats, we've managed to turn you into a cat person, which oh, I'm kind I've of always amazed. Done. I love all, I've, I've always loved all creatures, but I do love cats too. So, and I'm always sad that I can't cuddle them as much as mm -hmm. I want. <laughs> okay. That was fact number two. I am not a cat. That was my, that is not my fact, but we have to bring it up because <laughs> of that lawyer guy who got turned into a meme. <laughs> I really am sad that Zoom doesn't have that as a stock um, filter. I couldn't find it. I wanted to turn into that cat like immediately. <laughs> I saw the best parody of that on on the internet over it was it had to be within 48 hours of this thing happening. Um if it was a it was like a painterly version of the cat face with a script underneath in French saying je suis uh, pas de chat and which is French for I am not a cat which is a parody of the Magritte, Magritte. I am not a, this is not a pipe <laughs> painting. I've got and to it, find that. I love it. It was really funny. I will find it for you. And then we can put it on our website for this show. Very cool. I love that painting and all of its parodies. And there are many. <laughs> <laughs> so what is our actual fact? Oh, all three? right. Yes, I do have an actual fact. Uh, the cicada is not a locust and they go, dormant underground for one to 17 years. And uh, I will be bringing this up in the news segment as well, because okay. I'm completely paranoid about them. I want to learn more about that because I don't know of any that I know some are 14 years and 
some are 17 years, 13 years and 17 years. And it's crazy. There's way more cicada lore than I had ever wanted to know about that. I now know. So I will share that (laughs) with you shortly. (laughs) Nice. Well, uh, we have a great show coming up. Uh, We've got Shay Cook of Crusaders for Change, and I'll be sharing my conversation with her uh, later on. That is, um, Crusaders for Change is an organization that she started that helps people to deal with their finances. And, Hmm. you know, so, so, you know, it's a good conversation. I actually think this could be kind of a mini series because I know other people who have different, you know, just different perspectives on dealing with money as certainly as um, a lot of our listeners are progressive and have feelings about capitalism and uh, you know, or just how to be, how to be a creative person and make money. There's a lot of different aspects to it. So I find it an interesting topic always. And uh, later on, I'm going to uh, tell you why I think the Conspirituality podcast is awesome. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and before we move on to the news, we want to give a shout out to our listeners. And if you're new to the show, hello. Welcome. Hi. You can catch a new episode of The Leftscape every other Wednesday and subscribe on our website, leftscape.com. You can find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you can find podcasts. And while you're on our website, sign up for our monthly newsletter, The Leftscape Lookout. Yes, please do. I like to create it and I like to uh, have you read it (laughs) and share it (laughs) with your friends. And you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash leftscape and follow us on Twitter at leftscape and follow us on Instagram at leftscape. We try to keep it easy for you. (laughs) (laughs) And to support the podcast, please join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash leftscape, where we've got extra content and fun stuff. You can join at the front row seat level for $1 a month, and it goes up from there. And we thank you so, so much for your support. We really, really appreciate you. Yes, we do. And now, here's all the news we can handle. (sighs) All right, so news. (laughs) Um. Well, it is Black History Month, which is not news, but it's, uh, you know, it may be news to somebody, but we're kind of toward the end of it now. But there's still a lot of cool things to check out and go back and listen to and look at. Um, one and of the... Go ahead. I just wanted to say, if if you are not aware that February is Black History Month, then you haven't been on social media all month. True. <laughs> There is a lot going on, and that's that's encouraging. You know, yes. I like that a lot. Um, Philly Grub has a thing called a uh, Philly Soul Food Scene, and they are they're doing three events. Well, I'm wondering if the one that has passed is um, you can find it somewhere. I'm not sure if you can watch it after the fact or not. But they did Philly Soul Food Past, Present, and Future, and the present philly soul food present is tonight wednesday the 24th mm. um soul of the plate diversity equity and inclusion at the table and you can buy cool. tickets on the phillygrub.blog website which i will definitely share in our show notes and that sounds really cool and 
on March 3rd, they're doing the third uh, event, which is Philly Soul Food Future, Sustainability, Health, and Urban Farming. Oh, um, yeah, I think that's that sounds really cool. And uh, I'm really interested in the soul food past, actually. So I wish that <laughs> Tales of the Southern Table. So I'm going to look and see if there's a way to still check that out. But it might be something I do a little research into um, after the fact, if not. So that's happening. And, and as Wendy said, there's tons of stuff all over social media that you can tap into ways to support uh, Black History Month as well. So there's that. And of the other things that I checked out and wanted to sort of make note of, um, United States of Anxiety is a show that I've been listening to for a couple of years. And they ha are doing a great um, series, Origins of Black History Month, uh, stories of people not normally celebrated. You know, a lot of times we really just celebrate mm. the exceptional people and like and say, look, this is a black person who did a great thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there are many, many stories to be told. And so they're looking at some of those and, and um, it's really cool. Um, United States of Anxiety, similar to our podcast, started out with the whole Trump era going like, what what the hell is happening kind of a show, you know, and they've <laughs> really morphed into uh, broader conversations as well. And it's just really cool. Um, they are live Sunday nights on WNYC and you can also find it in a podcast. And the other thing I just wanted to mention is that um, at, at no homo, no hetero is a great follow on Twitter mm. and they are highlighting black bi men all month and just, people who have, you know, you may not have um, known or were queer or bi and have done some cool things. And it's just a real interesting visibility um, site. I mean, cool. you know, they're, they're all, they're everything that they post, post is really interesting about visibility. And this one is very specific for the month and it's cool. So cool. check it out. All right. Uh, in the making in the making lemonade out of old moldy lemons department. <laughs> Instagram meme maker Quentin Quarantino, I love this guy's name, yes. uh, at Quentin Quarantino, has raised $1.1 million out of a $10,000 goal for Planned Parenthood and counting fast with the Quentin Quarantino Rush Limbaugh <laughs> Memorial Planned Parenthood fundraiser. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It is really amazing. And it... Um... You know, it was $1.1 million as of like yesterday. I don't know what it is now, oh, wow. but I'm sure it's broken that it's just uh, awesome. people have gone crazy for this. And I think it's uh, a fitting tribute. response. It's, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Fitting tribute to the douchebaggiest douchebag ever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, and I like to... I usually hold my tongue about people who I don't like who have passed on. Well, you can. I, I'll I'll take it. I'll take. I know you're my team. you're my anger translator. He's a fucking asshole, and I'm yeah. glad he's dead. I wish he died years ago. There, there you go. I said it. There. Thank you for voicing my <laughs> opinion for me. But also, what I was going to say is that I really do like you know when when uh, Westboro Baptist Church used to show up in people's communities and they would do a fundraiser for every minute they were like spewing hate <laughs> on their street or whatever for like they'd raise money for like a, a LGBTQ community event or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, organization. So 
this is similar. And I think it's, it's a good use of that energy that we all have of saying <laughs> good riddance, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll keep the rest of my thoughts to myself right now. Cause the other people are still alive. Sadly. Yeah. <sighs> speaking and, of raising money <laughs> go ahead. speaking of raising money uh as you probably know texas has been in a deep freeze and, and a lot of trouble for a lot of folks right now and uh better o'rourke and aoc have both raised a shit ton of money to help the people in crisis which i think is great um so we have um you can donate to act blue and also feeding Texas, and we will show we will put those links on our site as well. It's a great thing to help people right now. I had no idea that Texas did not connect with our yeah um, power structure at all, except power structure. You know what I mean? The, the grid. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I didn't know that either. And and uh, and it's, they are not regulated like the rest of the power grid and. That's why they they were able to have these ridiculously high spot prices where people are, you know, it, it's like it went up to five thousand or ten thousand dollars per kilowatt hour for a while, and because the wholesale prices went up because it's demand it's demand based or something, and they're not regulated, so they could charge whatever the hell they want. Oh, see, people, I saw people talking about big bills and I thought it was like some kind of clerical no, error like with an actual no, they, the system, uh, the way it works. Okay. They jacked the price up. And I don't know if, I mean, something has to be done because, you know, regular people can't pay a $10,000 electric bill for, and then, and then you get your power cut off and, and, you know, who the hell, I, I know I wouldn't do it, but then what's going to happen? Are they going to like, if you don't pay that bill? Are you going to get your power shut off? You know, this is, this is, and it's not like something that the federal government shouldn't be paying these uh, energy companies, these ridiculous rates, no. but I don't know how that's going to resolve. And I really feel for people, but uh, my last piece of news is really local and regional. Uh, it's about the brood 10 cicada emergence, which is planning, which they are expecting this year. Uh, it includes New Jersey, um, but it, I'm not sure if it if it includes where I'm living now. So I'm kind of feeling stupid about spending $200 on netting for my trees that I planted last year. <laughs> um, I'm nervous about the fact that that they will. The problem with the cicadas, they're not locusts, but um, they do end up wanting to they want to plant their eggs in in branches that are about the thickness of a pencil and they prefer fruit trees and berry bushes if they can get their butts into them and which and is I like exactly what you planted right yeah and i'm reading you know as i'm reading i'm saying well you should you know you could the ways to mitigate is to not plant trees within one or two years of an emergence it's like i didn't fucking know so i planted all these fruit trees last year and i'm terrified that that they're going to die this year but the brood 10 um emergence is in 2021 there was a brood 2 emergence in 2017 or 2014 somewhere around there and that was the one i thought was this one 
And that was, I don't know if it affected you. I remember driving through the town north of me or next to me and, and just the car bugs were just smashing all over the car. It was like driving through a cloud of insects. There were a lot. Um, Oh, I have not experienced anything like that around (laughs) where I live. I did. We were walking, I was walking with a mutual friend of ours, like through whatever cheesequake steak park or something like one of those (laughs) uh, years ago. And we saw a lot, a lot of them. It was interesting, but. Oh, that you just saw them. They didn't like fall on you. No, I think they were mostly dead or dying at that point. So they were Mm. on trees and they were like a lot of carcasses and stuff. It was like a creepy amount of bug carcasses, but it wasn't like actively doing anything too crazy. Well, when I was in seventh grade, there was a brood emergence. It was probably this brood. I was in Virginia and you could not walk under a tree what for what felt like all summer long because these things these bugs that were like they felt like they were as, they weren't really as big as my hand but they're big they're like 3 or 4 inches long they have these big red eyes and you know when they fall on you and you try to brush them off they don't like just release quickly they're just staying on you and staring at you and freaking me out as a 12 year old and, and, you know, I, I was traumatized, honestly. Oh, no. Um, I've gotten better since then, I hope. Um, but yeah, it's, it will, the, the area is pretty much the entire Northern part of the country from the Mississippi river East is wow. where, where these things will may, may emerge. Uh, if the ground has been disturbed during the last 17 years, like if there's a new housing development or something that they've dug the soil up and done things, that will kill them. And I know they're extinct in a lot of places now, certain certain of the broods. And and uh, I guess we'll see. I'm hoping it won't be too bad, but I do. I am prepared. I bought my netting early just figuring because of, the toilet paper stuff last year. <laughs> I figure, well, I better buy it now, or I might not be able to find it when I need it in the spring. It took me a second to understand. I was to- Did you wrap your trees in toilet paper? Last no, year? no, <laughs> no. I understand. It was, it was the shortage. <laughs> the shortage of things. People have uh, have gotten hoardery these <laughs> since yeah. the pandemic. So you never know. And I think that's all the news I can handle. That's all the news I can handle. This podcast is sponsored by that old can of, I'm not sure what it is. Now that you've eaten everything else, look in the back, way back. Yes, there it is. That old can of, I'm not sure what it is. On sale three years ago at a grocery store near you. And now back to our podcast. Well, I am here with Mrs. Shay Cook. Shay is the chief executive officer and founder of Crusaders for Change. Shay started the company in May 2016, and C4C, as it's called, is focused on empowering and equipping the broader community with tools they need to become financially free through counseling, coaching, and classes. Shay is a certified, credited financial counselor and financial fitness coach. She also holds a bachelor's and master's degree in psychology. 
and she lives in Odenton. Is that correct? Odenton. Odenton. Okay, I guessed wrong. <laughs> uh, Odenton, Maryland, with her husband and English bulldog, and their daughter goes to University of Maryland in Baltimore County. So, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's good to talk with you. So um, it's it's interesting. We have a segment on this podcast, and it's called Ikigai, which is um, a Japanese word, and it is talks about the intersection of finding what you love to do, what you're good at, what the world needs, and also you know the financial piece, um, what you can get paid for. So um, so we do a lot of thinking about how those things come together in people's lives. And I was wondering what drew you to wanting to help people with the financial piece of the puzzle. Yeah. So when people ask me that question, I always think about the four areas that really drew me to where I am today. And it's really my spirit, my family, my education and career. So back in 2006, while I was um, in Turkey, my husband's retired Air Force, um, my spirit really spoke to me and told me I needed to help people in the area of finances. But like many of us, I was disobedient and I did not listen to it right away. Um, so, and then next, my family. As a child, I always loved to play school, <laughs> teach my siblings, or play store and use the cash register. So, I loved math and accounting. And one time while we were stationed in Alaska, because my dad was also military, he was in the Army, I took my parents' checkbook to school and wrote my classmates' checks. So, of oh, course, my parents <laughs> my parents found out and I got into a lot of trouble. Um, but I always, when I'm connecting the dots, I think back to that. And then in terms of my education, I started college at UMBC, same place my daughter's going, as a computer engineering major. And then I changed it to political science. But that was during a time that Monica Lewinsky and President Clinton was had that scandal. So I was like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. So then I moved on to psychology. And I ultimately attained a bachelor's and master's in psychology and really wanted to be a psychologist. But later realized that understanding human behavior would be very helpful in helping people with their finances. And then lastly, with my career, I worked in administration, uh, fast food, retail, telemarketing, childcare, and for two credit unions. And shortly after my spirit spoke to me again in 2006, I received my first federal job with the Air Force. And I would later obtain, as you mentioned, the AFC, the Accredited Financial Counselor Certification, get a job with the Army after moving from Turkey to Maryland, and then obtain a job with the Coast Guard, where I started the Personal Financial Readiness Program after being laid off by the Army, another story for another day. But I obtained my Financial Fitness Coaching Certification in 2019. So I say all that to say, although I started Crusaders for Change in 2016, I left my full-time federal job to run the business full-time in July of 2018. And when I connected the dots, I realized how my jobs, education, experience, um, even my family were pertinent to my purpose of helping people with their finances um, through the business. And I guess I wasn't that disobedient after all, or just, God just made sure that I continued with the move and his purpose. Okay. <laughs> well, that's cool. And that it actually, that really does speak to what we were talking about is sort of bringing pieces together that really mm -hmm. you find that nexus of what, mm -hmm. what works and what's fulfilling and what's important to you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's very cool. Um, so it sounds like you do have some background in thinking about, you know, politics and how some of the larger structures affect us. Um, and money is, you know, definitely a part of that. So um, what do you think about class structure? You know, a lot of people really think a lot about class structure and how um, it's built into American society that, you know, there people have different situations 
and maybe coming from very different places in regard to money? Yeah, so it's funny you asked that question. So I actually wrote my thesis for my master's in psychology on determining the impact of socioeconomic status on mental health. And that's the first step in reducing the impact of classism. So um, social class is often interchangeable with SES, which is socioeconomic status, um, is something that I studied very deeply when I was um, working on my master's. So social class, along with other factors, has a profound influence on how an individual perceives the way they and others live. And it's commonly divided into three classes. So lower, middle, and upper, and sometimes we have a fourth, the working class. So it's important to mention that they all fall within the same class, that um, those that fall within the same class do not necessarily have the same level of income, education, and occupation. And I see that a lot working with my clients. You know, Usually they're in the middle or higher income, but they're in a different level with their income, education, and occupation. And a particular social class represents a whole wide range of certain factors. So you got time, I just do a little spill on the classism and how that works with the social class um, and how it works with what I'm doing every day. But classism is a form of prejudice, right? And discrimination against those in different social classes. So shame, guilt, anxiety, and even depression, which I see and I've been unfortunately affected by, depression can be a result of classism. So the four types of classism are downward, upward, lateral and internalized. And a lot of people, once I start explaining this, they'll be like, oh, that makes sense. The specific names chosen for each of these classes and represent how people look at others and nothing more. For example, downward classism is a form of discrimination against those in the lower class. So these individuals are perceived or stereotyped as uneducated and lazy. And we hear that, right? And especially in the media, by their higher class counterparts. Then there's upward classism, which entails discrimination against those in the higher class. So people who are classified as committing upward classism usually assume that those in the higher SES are snobs and elitist. So we hear that too, right? And then this is feeling familiar. <laughs> exactly. And so the next time the classism is or a type is lateral classism. So this form of classism involves discrimination against those in the same class, which you probably see more about that more within this field. This is commonly referred as keeping up with the Joneses, or sometimes I say keeping up with the Kardashians and the Carters. So <laughs> and then the last form of classism is internalized, which I see a lot as well. And that's where you start feeling um, feelings of anger, anxiety, and depression. So taking all of that into consideration, and as a counselor and coach, I usually, um, I use empathy. That's the big tool for me, working with these kind of people in these social classes for all clients and whatever social class they're in. And obviously, compassion is very important as well. So I want to quote Dr. Michael Thomas, who is someone known in the industry, or my industry, and who stated during a TED Talk, Empathy does not equal complacency. Listening to someone's story does not mean we are accepting excuses for inaction. It's only when we are able to understand the story beneath the numbers that we are able to create solutions for where we are, for where they are, not where we wish them to be. So when I'm working with clients, I have to have that empathy and understand that I need to create solutions for them and not solutions that work for me necessarily, especially when we're talking about social class. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Now, mm-hmm. it's interesting. I don't know that I've ever thought about empathy as complacency. How did mm-hmm. uh, that's that's interesting. So, do you mean people think that if you're listening, then you're you're just taking something whole cloth? 
about yeah. what they're saying. And I mean, especially as a counselor, we're sitting there, if we're just listening, listening that uh, our empathy does not equal complacency, doesn't mean that you're just accepting their actions just because they're telling it to you and you're like, oh, I've been there. It's saying that, you know, we can also help you get to where you want to be. That sometimes if you're just listening to people and having the empathy and a compassion, people are thinking, oh, you're accepting <laughs> that mm-hmm. we don't move. No, we're listening because we've been there. You know, a lot of times we have, sometimes we haven't. But I know when I'm talking to clients, I've had debt. I've had credit issues. I've been there. But I also know that we can't just stay there and be complacent. We have to move forward. Mm-hmm. Okay. If that, that makes sense. sense. Okay. <laughs> right, right. So, um I know a lot of our listeners uh, have a lot of critique to give to our current system of capitalism in America. And, um, you know, it is a system that, you know, we were talking about classes where it really rewards people who already have great abundance and it can really work to keep other people not so not so able to move up, you know, or Mm -hmm. um, or to gain in ways that they might want and need to. So um, what are your thoughts on the system as it is, I guess, first of all, and also can you, and how do you learn to excel if you have critiques about the way our system is set up now? Yeah, so I am no economics expert. <laughs> so you're talking about cats, you know, so obviously the, the U.S. is a mix of capitalism and socialism. And I think there's pros and cons to each. And we can talk about that all day. And the U.S. has a long, long way to go to balance the two especially for people of color. Um, you can definitely learn to excel in terms of money while holding those critiques, I, at least it's my belief. But if you're really passionate about your critiques, you should find a way to affect change. You got to do something about it, right? There has, there ha- you, this can be done through activism, political aspiration, affiliations, and much more. I know I'm involved in WACP, trying to help with economic equality. There's different ways that you can get involved to you know, disrupt the system. And, you know, um, and we need to find ways to interrupt the system, systemic barriers that allow some um, to truly benefit from capitalism and leaves many on the sidelines. So again, that's a whole nother conversation, but you know, there's definitely ways that we can help and there's definitely ways you can excel. I believe I've excelled um, in this, you know, even though I have critiques about capitalism, having a daughter who's in her twenties uh, or at least 20, you know, she has a definitely a very uh, a steadfast view about capitalism. And I see that in a lot of generations years, but also know that you can excel, but we, we have to disrupt the system. We really do. Mm-hmm. So disrupt, but also play a part in it because we're in it, I guess is what. <laughs> exactly. It's hard, right? But you're, that's right. You have to play, play the game and hopefully you succeed. Yeah. It's a big, it's a long game you have to play though. <laughs> yeah. That I, that yeah. I hear. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to reconcile, but it is something that I guess we're all in the midst of, Mm -hmm. we're all in the midst of where we are. So I understand that. Um, You have expertise in psychology. So I would love to hear, uh, well, I guess, first of all, do you have some sort of thumbnail descriptions of the ways that people interact with money? Like, are there like a few types or something like that? Well, I don't know if there's types, but definitely, I definitely, again, going back to my thesis, I talked about how a person's socioeconomic status can really affect a person's health and mental health. So that's how I see the intersection between psychology and money. Individuals who are perceived as having those low SES socioeconomic status is commonly diagnosed with anxiety. 
and depression. And why is that? A lot of times it's tied to low education, which is tied to different illnesses and medical um, conditions. Um, adults with lower education are found to have higher rate of physical problems and occurrences of depression. And the reason why these problems are, as most of us know, again, is the fewer economic and social resources among those things. So furthermore, unless inequality is addressed among education and wealth, this is still going to influence our health and only will continue. So, you know, just it's, it's, it's I wouldn't say there's any like uh, thumbnail descriptions, but you have to, there is an intersectionality between, you know, mental health, physical health, social health and uh, our money and social economic status. Okay. So you don't have a typical, like if someone say an overspender as opposed to a, uh, penny pincher or something like that like there's no sort of like oh well they came from this background or that it's sort of yeah I guess there are I know there's like the money habitudes that goes into like the free spirit and the overspender and the spender and she um and, and the woman who developed the program used psychology of money to develop that and you can definitely see those that spend a lot and I don't want to be um the word is not biased but stereotypical because mm-hmm. people that are spenders on free spirit can actually come from the same background. I've seen both. I've seen somebody come from a poor background that are very frugal. And I've seen people that come from a poor background that are a spender. Mm-hmm. So it all depends on their life journey and how they, you know, how they get there. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what are one or two of the things that people can do, um, you know, to break through whatever challenges they have and to start doing better, you know, to break out of negative cycles around their finances? Yeah, um, I would think definitely seek help from a financial counselor and potentially a mental health provider. I'm all for that, um, a therapist, psychologist, et cetera. But um, it may take time during discovery period to see what issues are beneath the service surface that may be you know, causing the challenges or roadblocks to their success. Um, but I can help people and financial counselors can help people clear those roadblocks like shame and guilt but there may be some deeper issues or trauma that may require a licensed professional. So once you deal with those issues, you can create an action plan towards meeting your financial goals. And I really just believe it's just looking at yourself and figuring out what you really need. Sometimes you got to look in the mirror and say, you know, my money is really causing me anxiety and depression. Do I need to talk to somebody? Um, And if it's not that serious and maybe just simple as sitting down creating a plan, doing, making sure you have a spend plan, know how much money you have coming in and out. Um, to be able to move forward. I mean, some people, a lot of people I find don't even know how much money they have coming in and out. So, um, and that can cause a lot of anxiety. Right, right. So just, you know, just if, if you were going to give someone like the first couple of steps to mm-hmm. get to just doing your plan, like what is, what are those things? Is it really mm-hmm. like taking a log of all of your income or all of your, like, how do you start? Yeah, definitely. And I have a actually acronym that really helps with my philosophy, but also moving through the steps and it's called uh, money uh, keys and it's M-O-N-E-Y. So the first step for M is manage. So really learn how to manage your funds, manage your money. Um, again, looking at what's coming in, what's coming out, um, looking at opportunities. That's the O, you know, trying to figure out is there opportunities for you to save or is there opportunities for you to cut back on, you know, your spending to get you to where you are? And then looking at the necessities and your experience. And then again, you always say it always comes back to you looking at yourself. But the first two steps, I think, are pertinent or, again, learning how to manage your money, because I know people are just 
willy nilly. A lot of people are just like, oh, I got money here. I, hopefully I got money here to pay for this and not really looking at the full picture. So looking at, and when I help people, we do a spend plan. We look at the whole month um, to see how much money's coming in. You might have to go back 90 days to see like where you're really spending money. People figure out, oh, I'm spending a lot of money on this fast food or I'm spending a lot of money on this whatever extracurricular activity they might have. Um, so bring honing that in and trying to figure that out and manage that appropriately. Mm-hmm. Have you, uh, what are the patterns that you've noticed differently since COVID? Cause I noticed that I'm spending a lot less on like coffee because I'm not in coffee shops really. <laughs> you know, that's one thing that yeah. I do. Well, a lot that's of people, especially kind of in, yeah, exactly. In the DMV area district, you know, DC, Maryland, Virginia, a lot of people have cut back on gas, which I'm sure is all around, you know, the country, you know, the gas, the eating out when they're working in DC or Baltimore or wherever, they're not eating out as much. They're still eating at home, but it's cheaper um, or they're just cooking more. Um, people are really gotten to a place, unfortunately, with fear. So they're saving more because they're scared. They don't know what's going to happen in the future. So when I'm helping people, I'm like, all right, you know, we used to say three to six months, you know, you need to save for an emergency. Now they're saving for six and 12 months because we really don't know what's going to happen over the next 2021. I mean, it's been crazy already in 14, 15 days. So seriously, we, we don't know what's going to happen. So a lot of people are, it's, it's changing my clients and even people I talk to do classes and stuff. It, yeah, they're changing their patterns and their habits because of everything's going on. So becoming more cautious um, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Unfortunately, driven by fear, which is kind right. of sad because I think that's going to have mental implications already is in the future. Right. Mm-hmm. <sighs> we are in strange times, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have anything upcoming, like e- online events or anything that you want to let people know about? I do have some upcoming events. They haven't been, you know, solidified yet, but I would say follow me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, you know, under um, at Crusaders for the number four change for postings on upcoming events. With the pandemic, I'm noting things are popping up short notice. People are like, can you do a class in two weeks? Can you do a class in three weeks? So I do have some stuff, but we're kind of changing it because in inauguration, we're going to have something next week. So we're going to plan that out in February. Um, But yeah, I do have a lot um, coming up. So just check us out on social media. Yeah, so we'll keep in touch with you for sure. And um, what's do you have any sort of words of wisdom for people, like anything simple or profound or or any all of the above <laughs> that you'd want to share? Yeah, definitely. Well, our vision is really financial freedom for all. You know, I just want to be able to get that for people. But our slogan is financial freedom starts with you. I can't express that anymore. When I'm helping people, you really have to deal with your life issues, your personal issues in order to even affect your change in your money life. Um, But ultimately, if you're ready and willing to make a change in your financial life and move towards financial freedom, and a well-funded legacy. We didn't even talk about that, but that's super important. You have to take a look in the mirror. So it always starts with you. Change is hard and challenging, but it's always necessary to be successful. So I would just add also, we are here to help and we offer a 30-minute clarity call to help you decide if financial counseling and coaching is right for you. And so that's on my website, www.crusaders4change.org to learn more and to book a free call. Okay. That sounds good. I might take you up on it. We'll see. <laughs> but um, no, I really appreciate talking with you. That's that's great. Thank you very much, Shay. Hi, I'm Pandora Scooter, queer mama sapien, and you're listening to The Left Scape. 
the shape of progressive conversation. Why is this awesome? So why is the Conspirituality podcast awesome? You might well ask. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you. Okay. Um, this is a show I, I'm really, uh, really, really into, actually. Uh, Conspirituality is a weekly study of converging right-wing conspiracy theories and faux progressive wellness utopianism, as they phrase it. And it's really been um, an eye-opening thing for me to, to recognize and to realize that a lot, of, a lot of people who I might well easily run into online or just at yoga type events of spiritual of various spiritual practices are starting to incorporate some really strange conspiracy theories and um just negative ideology in the midst of something that feels and sounds very positive and healing so it's just something that i i wanted to become more and more aware of i know we've talked a little bit about it on our show earlier but this podcast really goes into this deeply and it just feels super important to me. Yeah, it is, well, it is. Yeah, absolutely. It's by three co-hosts. There's uh, Derek Barris, Julian Walker, and Matthew Remsky, who is a cult survivor himself. I believe he's oh, wow. was in at least two different cults. And, you know, and it's interesting to hear people talk about that from from the other side of it, you know, when they have were able to find a way out and... Uh, Getting you know. involved in two cults is kind of, wow. You would think once you're, you've gotten in and out of one that you maybe would recognize another one before you get sucked in. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, you know, I question that because I know that some people are just sort of constant seekers. Um, okay. I've, I have one friend who's like, um, I don't know. I would say that they, they're kind of extreme about everything they do, like really throw themselves into things mm. and can go from one philosophy that feels like really like the most important way to do life. And then something will happen and they will sort of get off of that path, but then they'll go to something else. And they've never hit any sort of rock bottom where it was like the most horrible experience that they had to extra, ex excavate themselves out of. But it's an, it's an, I don't know. It's interesting. Hmm. And I don't think that they're, they're not in the realm of it where it's like super harmful, but okay, I could see someone going deeper into something and then going, oh, well, that's not the answer. It must be this. And then going to the next. Okay. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I guess, I guess I've been involved in things that were cult adjacent. Well, hmm. definitely Amway, but I got oh, out wow. of that. <laughs> So that's why you hate MLMs. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> okay, that sounds like Amway we should be recording college. that sometime. Oh, oh, we will. I, I can, I can. There's a, there's a Kickstarter that I backed kind of by accident. That's like this anti MLM game. And oh, when I, and when I get it, when it comes to me, when they, when they finally get the game done, uh, which I hope will be faster than the last one I backed, which took two years. I just got it yesterday, like three days ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different game, but um, now this one is basically teaches you why MLMs are no good. Mm. 
through examples of I, I don't even know. I was gonna tr- I was gonna re- rescind my pledge before it finished, but I <laughs> now I'm getting the game, and uh, so we could we could uh, that we could use that as the opening for our segment on why MLMs are terrible. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so this this podcast actually they do say um, they're fond of saying like look at what someone says and then look what they sell. Oh, I okay. I think that is a really cool way to sort of gauge where you're at and where someone is in their what their process is and what they're about and that kind of thing. So that was useful. But yeah. the other thing, the, here's a few things yeah. that I really love about this. Like it's incredibly well created and thoughtful. Like they they really present well done essays in each episode, and mm-hmm. and there's also a lot of free form discussion. So it's it's um. It's just, it can be really touching and personal and um, it's just really well created. I, I'm, I'm impressed by that yeah. and a little jealous. I want to, I want to, <laughs> oh, no. I want to copy them, but I just, I love it. Oh, you know, I, I would happy. copy them. I listened, I listened to half of their last episode in preparation for this show, actually. And I was very, very impressed at the professional caliber of the way the show the, the audio and the their music cues <laughs> yeah i and so you know because i i'm the editor for this one so i'm like oh wow that's a cute little bumper they just put in there and i i'm getting the whole technical aspect is very high level and you know their their speaking is very clear and yeah better than us <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I aspire, it's good to aspire to. Uh, and and their topic is it was very interesting. I I found um, it was. I can't commit to two hours at once to listen to it though. That, right. That was the two hour show, which I say, like, wow, this is long. So <laughs> yeah, I listen when I can, and sometimes it's you know if I'm working and doing something, I'll just have it on, or I'll stick it in my coat pocket and listen while I'm like you know working outside or doing something, but. Um, but yeah, or driving. But I don't drive very far anymore these days. Nobody so does. I know. So I'm looking forward when we can um, get together and make some more music bumpers and stuff. Like when we can actually be in the same room again. Oh yeah, things like that. That will be that will be nice. <laughs> <sighs> yes, yes, it would. <laughs> but other things, um, they deal a lot on the show with the intersections of things that are really deeply important to me, like spirituality, science attention to health and wellness, politics and how to improve the political landscape and and people's lives, you know, and psychology. And for me, especially recognizing the differences between interesting avant-garde thinking and dangerously delusional or, you know, narcissistic, otherwise unhealthy. Mm. Um, That has been something where I think, you know, a few times in my life, maybe more than a few, I've really been fascinated with someone or connected with someone where they seem really cool and interesting. And then you get to a certain point where you go, Oh, no, there's something not okay going on here. <laughs> yes. And then you need to get out somehow or get away from the situation. And yeah. I'm getting, you know, I've made it sort of a mission to both stay aware of that and, and be able to see those things sooner. And also to learn about how maybe to, help people or or at least I want to write about this thing like like spiritual abuse has been 
something that I've witnessed. And I was in one case kind of close to some people and going to like a meditation group that turned out to be very cultish. And I was in, thankfully in a place in my mind where I saw it and was like, yeah, this is weird shit. I'm getting out of here, you know. But I could imagine being in a place where I was a little less uh, confident or oh, yeah. if you, balanced if, or something where you could really fall into I used something to, bad. I used to have a lot of respect for uh, the guy, the guru who was teaching me yoga years ago. Um, and there were a couple of incidents where we were alone together, where the conversation was getting a little weird mm. and, and I was picking up, well, it was more, it was more of, um, I think he was trying to, to feel out if I would be into having sex. I, I kind of, th- that was kind of the vibe I was getting. Right. And then, and then a few months later he split from his wife and he took up with one of the other students in the class. And I was saying, Oh, okay. <laughs> that was not, I was not, I was not deluding myself in that. And and then I kind of lost respect for him about how that whole, his whole, a lot of the things he was saying kind of then contradicted all of the stuff he was doing. Mm. You know, it wasn't just the, the yoga stuff and the, the yoga stuff he was doing was, was fabulous. And, and he was really good at, you know, gauging the level that the class was in and adjusting what we were doing based on, you know, how long we could actually hold the positions and things like that. So you could actually get better at stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like going to the gym where, where you're trying to keep up with these vinyasas that are going too fast and you just like, forget it. I can't do this. You know, he would say, Oh, okay, you can't do this yet. So let's back it up and do like, the the approximation that you're supposed to do before you can get to the actual position you we know we would do those and yeah i like when people they give you adjustments and you can yeah the I, benefit I, of the pose without having you know even if you can't do like the most advanced version of it or something right right i mean it's like like they're really taking it back is like the, the chair yoga you know i mean he would do that at the senior center and things and and but it was really disappointing i i kind of i i and i lost try and i haven't been able to find anybody else who was that caliber of a teacher Mm. and it was just like his weird personal life just kind of wrecked it all for me and was he teaching like was he the type of guru that was teaching celibacy as the you know no and then just not practicing it or no the fact that he was like crossing a boundary by trying to pick up a student or whatever i thought it was kind of i mean they they were okay but you know i'm i was in a relationship i was married i i was not interested in any extracurricular anything and and um i think i think he could have I mean, maybe he was talking about, ta- you know, he's asking me, do you know about Tantra and this, this and that? And, uh, you know, and, and that is something I would have liked to have explored, not necessarily with him personally, but, right, right. you know, but then, you know, he's also saying like, you know, your husband's never going to get to this point where, oh, you know, where you totally are. You know, so, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Up. It was, it was. <laughs> It was, it, it's the flags, the flag, the red flags were going up. I, you know, I at least, uh, I was at least old enough and experienced enough to pick up on like, oh yeah, this is, this is, he's, he's, he's 
testing the waters here. See, that's cheesy shit, man. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> it's not, it's not cool. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That's, you know, that's, that's not good. And, and, you know, that's weird too, because actually one of the things that I'm learning from this podcast is about teachers that, you know, yoga teachers that have been known to be major abusers and um, cult-like in their behaviors and stuff. And some of them, I just had no idea. Um, like, I know that the leader of Shambhala has been accused of, you know, sexual abuses, hmm. um, which I had heard about. Um, Osho, who I did not know. I've just, I've encountered books by Osho and I thought they were really super helpful, like meditations and things. And then to go like, oh, that guy was a creep. I didn't, I didn't know that, <laughs> you know. Well, um, and... Everybody's human, you know, right. that's the yeah. thing. It's, it's, and they get into this, you get into a position of power and then it's like, do you, you know, then you have, you can choose to take advantage of the situation or not. And it's just, it's sad when they decide to take advantage. Right. And I think, you know, part of the, that philosophy is that, you know, if people are really into like the, that guru relationship, it's that they're believing that this being, this is just a representation of the divine and that this being is beyond ego or something like that. I don't and know if that not. was the situation with yours. Right. It, it's, they you know. They kind of go there. It's like they're trying to say that, you know, like he would never say how old he was. You know, he was always implying that he was older than he was and that he looked good for an old guy or some something uh, like that. And then, and then he was a mystery man. Oh, then eventually his wife just said, oh, he's 56, you know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> His That's soon funny. to be ex-wife finally, you know, I was talking to her and, and she goes, no, blah, 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 he's 56. It's like, yeah. You know. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Yeah. See, that's like a, that sounds like a con artist kind of, yeah. and maybe he wasn't that, maybe that's not all he did, but it sounds like that was a big part of it or something. But And actually, yeah. he actually, okay. he was, he believed in some of the 9-11 conspiracy theories. Interesting. So going so okay. this is actually this is actually relevant to this to to the conspirituality podcast. He didn't talk right. about it a lot, but you know it's one of those things. If you've if you've done like the extra out of the extracurricular, like if sometimes he would do we would do like meals or these extra meditation days or something like that. These other workshoppy things, other besides the regular class, mm -hmm. and you know, either during the setup or the breakdown when, when the class is over and we're just talking, it would come up and he would come up with these kind of nine 11 conspiracy things. Um, like the inside job kind of thing. And, and I right. mean, and he, and he is, he, to be fair, he is a person of color. He has a Muslim name. And during that time he was getting harassed a lot. So, wow. You know, so there's so there's that whole racial thing happening and the ethnic thing playing in the background, you know, and, and that had maybe, to have been a lot of pressure at that time. It's yeah, yeah. Um so but you still. know, it all it all plays it all plays in together, but uh, you know, but he was like he was definitely on the conspiracy side of all of that. Right. You know, yeah, you know, it's weird how, you know, some of the people I have encountered whose names I've encountered recently, um, one of them is Zach Bush. And he is a doctor, but I don't think he still has his 
a license, but he still calls himself a doctor or something. I know on the podcast they've, they've described exactly wow. like what his credentials are and what they aren't. But um, one of the way I encountered him is I was taking uh, a Qigong class, you know, online every day for a while. And this leader would start out with what he called like the Zach Bush exercises um, you know, at the beginning and there were, I, I liked the exercises. It was pretty, uh, simple. It wasn't like anything spectacular that like anybody could sort of put this combination together, but just a, a way of warming up and stuff. I thought it was really good. Um, and then I started hearing his name on this podcast. And I was like, Oh, Zach Bush. And I went, I went to his website based on what they were saying. And it's so strange. It's like, he was, he's like, uh, skeptic, he's like a mask skeptic and, the thing that really pisses me off, like I really, I guess I don't know if he's like anti, like don't do it, but he's talking about why it's not useful or something. But um, the thing that really drives me nuts is like people who are just anti-science or believe that they know something so much better than every like all other medical, you know, um, mm. awareness. And for him, it's like basically germ theory is wrong, and there are so many viruses that how can you think they're making you sick because most of them just, they just don't do anything. So if you're sick, it's some other common, it's something else. It's like some combination of all these environmental factors and whatever, but, but, but viruses are harmless <laughs> and they've got it all wrong basically. And I'm reading this shit and I'm going, what is this man talking about? You know, it was just so enraging actually, <laughs> you know, and I thought like, so what's, safe you know should i should i stop doing his exercises because like he's an asshole in this other aspect or should i say okay these most these movements are fine to do but i i wouldn't want to send someone to his website saying hey i like these zach bush exercises you should check his site out because no i wouldn't want to send anybody to read because the other like stuff. that yeah right you know and like i guess there are just other examples of that like well tm i was involved with someone who had been involved in the uh, transcendental meditation community and it, you know, doing a 20 minute meditation twice a day, if, if that's as far as you go into it, it's, it's a, I think it's a beneficial thing, but this person had gotten really unraveled into like, he spent, I don't know how many, you know, so much money, like having his house built to specific uh, dimensions and facing the door facing this way, because that's the way the, <laughs> the energy flows and the demons come in this other way. So you can't have demons coming. I mean, it was nuts. Wow. And the food you could eat and how long you could have before you ate it. If you cooked it, if it was, it was just like this all consuming. Um, I, it, it was someone who I thought maybe was a narcissist, but like the covert kind where it's not like they're thinking there well me i don't know it was a combination I remember, of I remember when you were breaking up with this person <laughs> right right and it was kind of it was weird because you get into it and it's like okay this is a spiritual person we can really get into practice together that's awesome and then you're going oh no this is this is complicated and scary and what's like everything has to revolve around this practice because it was so you know it was just an all-consuming thing and, yeah. and not good. So it's like, I, I, I don't want, I don't like throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Like if someone gets benefit out of a TM meditation practice and that's all they do, 
like they just sit and meditate. I think that's cool, but it's really, I don't know what they're teaching nowadays. You know, I mean, this person yeah. got into this years and years ago, but it's just, um, it's weird and not healthy. You know, now I, I have to ask you if you know, cause my, my sister-in-law is also very heavily into yoga, but I'm hoping my brother keeps her grounded. I haven't talked to them in a while, but she seems a pretty, like a pretty grounded person. So I'm don't think they're susceptible to conspiracy theories, but she told me a while ago, and I think it was also co corroborated with my guru at the time. Um, it was something eating cantaloupe and honeydew melons. It's like they you shouldn't eat them with anything else. And if oh. you do eat, you need if you do eat those, you should wait like a couple of hours before you eat anything else. And it was the, the mnemonic was uh, cantaloupe, eat it alone or leave it alone. Because hmm. it had something to do with the chemicals in the cantaloupe reacting with the other food in your in your stomach. And it makes unpleasant uh, reactions that are that will eventually affect your like health in some way like ulcers mm. or something i'm not sure what the reason was anymore yeah see the, you're you're giving me a look so i i so i was taking that as just like one of those weird food facts and i was just like avoiding eating cantaloupe <laughs> which i used to really like so i don't know i mean is that a real thing or is that is that a conspiracy <laughs> is that a, is that junk science I have never heard anything like that in my life, but <laughs> I think it's like, see, there are so many weird food rules, you know, and I mean, I mean, I'm a vegetarian, maybe that, maybe that's a weird food rule. I don't know. It came from my, it feels like my natural self that just, that's just how I trend. You know, I don't have like a big philosophy around it. I don't tell other people they need to do it. It's just okay. what I am, you know, for me. Um, but I had definitely encounter philosophies that have very strict, specific things like the, like the, the person I was talking about who I dated, I mean, I think his thing was if you cook vegetables, you have to eat them within three hours. Um, <laughs> if you like incredibly restrictive things, actually. Um, so I can't remember all of them, but it made it impossible to, really plan for something and make things ahead of time and it was you know it was very strange cantaloupe i don't i don't know about i mean you know i think that there are well this is what i think about all the diets like everybody's got a theory pick the one that works <laughs> for you you know because some of them are extreme like if you oh well you should have like 80 percent of your food as liquids or you should have you should only yeah. eat low carbs and meat or something i don't know i mean yeah i, I think I, it's I all know. kind of ridiculous i think like read if you want to read something about a diet and if a piece of it helps you that's cool but i don't find that any of those sort of this is the one true way diets i, I mm -hmm. just think they're they they seem to go in the in the realm of this kind of weirdness in, well, in my mind too according to i think webmd or possibly just google it says, the plentiful vitamins and minerals in cantaloupes can sometimes cause problems. 
potassium. Cantaloupes are a good source of this mineral, which can help lower your blood pressure, but too much of it can cause problems if you have kidney disease. Okay. Well, so, okay, so that's true. I think some of that is true. Like, for example, I know that some of the leafy greens can have some uh, components that can have, I don't know, I don't know if you call it poison or something, but there's... No, it's vitamin K. Okay. it's that because that's that's when you're taking blood thinners like my dad had to after his stroke, like right. the warfarin, cumidin, all of that, the blood thinners, green leafy vegetables screw up your clotting. So or it changes your clotting. So you when you're on that medication, you really shouldn't be eating those vegetables because uh, it will okay. it it kind of negates the medicine. I may be thinking of another factor that um, mm. that. You know, like if you get too much of it, but you have to consume like a lot of it to. Yeah, well, there's and then there's vitamin A. You know, when carrot, right. like that's that, true. that's it's the it's the fat soluble vitamins that aren't water soluble, and right. you can you can take too many of those. I think that's true. I think maybe the lesson here is, you know, <laughs> foods can have a fix, but don't listen to like some guru just telling you like actually study it and learn about it from a yeah, reliable yeah. source. You know. Um, so, yeah, so th- that actually, just some of the new awarenesses that I've started coming to with conspirituality is just, first of all, that spiritual practices aren't inherently liberal or left-leaning. Or benign. Or benign, you know. Um, some A lot of it is amoral, really, like with magic, it could be... Yeah any purpose, you know, it's not like, oh, you know, it's only for good. I mean, I would like to think that the things that I practice or the the practices I've taken on are not to cause harm, you know, but it's just a practice. You could sort of apply it to anything, you know, and it's good to realize that. Same with yoga, like people who are doing yoga and wanting to get balanced or whatever, if they happen to come from a right-leaning or conspiracy, uh, susceptible state of mind it's it's not just going to be like rainbows and peace you know <laughs> that they come, they'll come to different conclusions in their meditations or or, or whatever you know it's it's mm-hmm. and it can be used for that i mean if people as obviously some of the influencers now who have gotten um started believing in QAnon, you know they put those ideas out there in there you could be like we're talking about working on our Instagram account. And I think in Instagram, uh, some of those people will put two or three photos or messages that seem all peaceful and loving and health oriented. And then there'll be one that's totally racist because they'll have some, have have incorporated something about uh, nationalism or racism or QAnon into their thinking and it becomes part of their overall philosophy. And if you're not really, um, critical thinking you can just take that in and it'll just become oh well that's just part of the yeah. worldview you know yeah i mean the the episode i was listening to yesterday was about well it's the part of it was about basically um you know about spread you know about how when you are trying to debunk a lie if you repeat the lie that they are like if you quote them like the like Trump saying he didn't win the election. If you quote right. them in it, it's going to reinforce the lie instead of debunking it. And they were talking about ways 
to rewrite headlines and and uh because i'd say that was another problem like people don't read past the headlines anymore and and there was and and i remember the one time they were showing you how to make i guess they were calling it a truth sandwich if you listened (laughs) to that episode yeah i really liked that it was like you present the the real thing and then you in the middle of that you rephrase the lie so it it's definitely a lie right and, then, and you don't use and that charge language that you they don't use, to tell use the, lie. the quote yeah. you don't quote them you say they they deny that the the election that has been you know proven right in court 80 times was not you know and then you say the truth again it's like you put the lie in the middle of the two truths of the debunking and you don't quote it because you don't want the quote to get traction in people's minds or to repeat, you know, because the, the more it's repeated, it's it's that, the, and they were saying that too, it's the quote, you know, the lie travels halfway around the world while the truth is still putting on its pants. Right. I think is the, is the, is the quote from some famous person in a hundred years ago. So, right, right. <laughs> like Mark Twain yeah. or somebody, I don't know. Yeah, that is definitely something that I've learned just being an activist too over the years that you don't want to say, I'm not anti-life because someone's calling you anti-life. You, you know what I mean? It, you, yeah. need to, you need to not use that phrase because it's stupid and it's not correct, you know, <laughs> or whatever. And uh, st- state your case in the positive if you can. But yes. um, yeah. And, you know, and the other thing, Thing that I, I'm just really going to keep listening to this podcast and learning a lot. Um, and one of the things that I'm kind of taking away from it too is that I, like, some people would hear that, you know, some teacher did a bad thing or there, there's negative ideas coming into a, a philosophy and just be like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm not going to do any of that. It's all bullshit or whatever. And for me, I feel like I don't want to give up on practices. Um, that feel healthful and positive for me, but I really want to proceed with deeper awareness, and um, you know, and not necess- and not necessarily believe everything that I hear and see. Um, I don't think I do that anyway. But it's I have an extra filter, an extra type of filter on now, knowing this kind yeah. of stuff. Well, that actually it feels plays good. into paganism, at least how. I, how I do it and I, how I think you do it. It's, it's what did I, I used to call it like roll your own religion. Um, you know, <laughs> we pick, we pick the things that work for us that, that are hopefully true ish. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and we don't, we don't uh, adhere to the things that are, that aren't, you know, it's, right. it's kind of like at that it's, it's kind of like that. And it doesn't need to, I don't have any investment in things being literally true. You know, one of the Mm -hmm. things that they were talking about and they've talked about, you know, frequently on this podcast is that a lot of the ecstatic states that people experience can be uh, chemical changes in their own brains. It could be drug induced. There can be lots of things that, you know, especially now with people are, are, um, experimenting with uh, MDMA and, and other hallucinogens mm-hmm. as, as medicine, you know, le- you know, legal 
trials and that sort of stuff. Right. Um, you know, a lot of the states that people talk about as like deep spiritual experiences can have, can have chemical explanations, you know, and I'm okay with that. Like some, I, I don't feel like, I feel like the experience can still have meaning, even if it's just, I had a brain for it. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I get it. it. It's the, it's, and so, yeah. I used to call it, I used to call it, I used to call it a shortcut. Yeah. You know, yeah. You I take, mean, yeah, if you, you take, take a the drug, drug instead of 10 years of meditation to get to the same place. Yeah. Kind yeah. Of. I mean, maybe it, you know, that could be possible. I do know people, I mean, uh, Rich Orloff, who we've interviewed, ha talks about how psychedelic therapy that he's gone through and that really, really helped him. Um, so I'm, I, I sometimes I'm, I'm less concerned with how one gets there. And it doesn't have to be something supernatural. It, it very much is likely to be, you know, that we can have changes in our in our my own minds through our ritual or through whatever or by nature that allows us to have these ecstatic or spiritual experiences. And those feel important to me, you know. So mm -hmm. I think that's good. And I also now you know especially listening to this podcast don't want to get myself in a situation where i'm like completely psychologically open and then someone's going to put in some like bad information because they're not a trustworthy guide you know? right so it's about you know really um being aware i want being aware but not paranoid and being following paths but not blindly, I guess, is what I'm Yeah, well, thinking. that's, yes. You have to, you have to be aware. It, awareness is, is important. Otherwise, people will lead you where they want you to go. And that is not going to necessarily be where you want to go. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I hope people check out Conspirituality. It's a good one. Yeah. You've been listening to the Leftscape Podcast. Sound engineering by Wendy Sheridan. Show notes by Robin Renee. Fake sponsor messages by Thomas Limoncelli. Web hosting by InMotion. And remote recording by Squadcast. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Leftscape. Become a patron of our show for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash leftscape. Thanks for listening.